All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church, and we just want you to know we believe, come on, that Jesus sees the hope of the world, and that whoever you are, whatever your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. How many of you going to know that's true? <clears throat> well, uh, Friday night, I was at a football game. Is it too soon to talk about football? Woo! It's not too soon. Y'all can't have the check back. <laughs> so Friday night, I was uh, at Brooks football game. My, my son, he's a senior there, and he was, uh, he's on homecoming court, so we went. Obviously, it's a game. We go to many of the games to uh, support the team anyways, but we were there that night, and it's getting fall, so probably like many of you, you know, starting to put away some of the shorts and T-shirts and breaking out uh, some of the jackets, and so I have a kind of a, a pretty bad dust allergy, so if I hang a jacket up and take it out in the fall, if I forget to wash it, not that it's dirty, but like that dust will just jack my allergies up and I'll start sniffling and sneezing. And so I, I got a jean jacket out of the closet, wore it Friday night, and for sure we get to the game and man, my eyes look like I was behind the bleachers instead of on the bleachers and I'm sneezing and sniffling. And you know, we, we live in an age right now, unfortunately, when you, when you just get a little something going on, you feel like you have to announce it's not COVID. But as soon as you say it's not COVID, everybody's like, he's got COVID. <laughs> so, like, what do you do, right? And so I'm sitting there, my nose is running. And so my wife, she is the Perel queen. She carries hand sanitizer everywhere. Where's all my hand sanitizer people at? Y'all keeping the market rolling? And my wife, she uses it every time we go somewhere. If we're going into a restaurant, she uses it coming out of a restaurant. Like, she's all about it. She always offers it to me. And generally, I decline it. I'm like, no, no thanks. And, but sometimes, like, I'm, I'm a willing participant, and sometimes I'm a victim. Willing participant is, yeah, I'll take some. So I'm sneezing on the bleacher, and she's like, here, you some. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm not touching anybody. And I went like this, no, I'm good. And she's like, Psh. And I got it whether I wanted it or not. So, you know, I rubbed it in. And So why? I mean, for all of you that, that carry hand sanitizer, that use hand sanitizer, we got hand sanitizer stations at, in Lawrenceburg and Florence. You can walk in. Why? Why do we have those? Well, we understand something called germs. Now, here's the funny thing is there was a time at the end of the 1800s that scientists and doctors believed in something called spontaneous generation. Spontaneous generation was their description and their understanding of where diseases came from. They believed that disease was random, that it would just pop up at any place, at any time, no specific rhyme or reason that you could just get sick, and they didn't really understand why. However, a guy by the name of Louis Pasteur came along, and Louis Pasteur uh, put forth a theory called germ theory. And germ theory taught that there was this invisible germs, these micro, eventually would be known as microorganisms. You can't see them, but they're the reason that people get sick, that they can be transferred by touch or wind or sneeze, and these invisible organisms would cause people to get sick. Now, the ironic thing was when this theory was put forth, a lot of the scientific community at that time pushed back and said, wait a minute, you're telling me that something we can't see is impacting our world and making us sick? Now, here's what's crazy is at that time, it was a new idea. Science pushed back on the idea and didn't believe it. But here we are now, just a few hundred years later, and most of us in this room, we believe in germ theory. We believe this, this idea, are you ready, that there is an invisible world that impacts our visible world. 
Now, I want to go just another layer deep that when I say there's an invisible world that impacts this visible world, obviously we're talking about germs, but in light of the series and where we're about to go, come on, there's a real, you can't even see it with a microscope or a telescope. There really is an invisible world that impacts this visible world. So we're starting a brand new series today entitled Things That Go Bump. And uh, obviously, we're just going to make a play on this idea as we move into October. We're going to talk about some big biblical ideas. This new series, where we're going to go and what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about spiritual things. We're going to talk about the realm of the spirit. We're going to talk about angels and demons and the Holy Spirit. All of these things that I think oftentimes are misunderstood, misconstrued, and therefore misvalued for those in the lives of believers. And as we navigate this conversation, I just want to remind everybody here in Lawrenceburg, do me a favor and keep coming back. When we start a series, what we do again, we take a topic and we kind of unpack that topic over usually four weeks. Specifically, this conversation is really big. I'm probably not going to answer all your, conver- your questions and for sure not today. The goal of today is just to dip our toes in the conversation. We're just going to wade into the shallow end and initiate a conversation. So if you leave and you're like, hey, he didn't answer this or that, you're going to need to come back for the entire series as we tackle this whole topic. So if you can't be here, make sure to join us online. If you're online, make sure to join us in person. But be a part of this series for the next four weeks, including today, again, as we talk about things that go bump. So this idea, right, of of a spiritual realm, that's such a, like, that just makes you feel weird, weird, doesn't it? In fact, some of you maybe are new to church. You're like, we need to find a new church. As soon as someone says spiritual realm, it's like time to find a new church. But this is such a biblical idea. In fact, the same Bible that talks about the things that we love to talk about, honoring our parents and forgiving people who trespass against us, turning the other cheek, the same Bible that teaches those things that we value is the same Bible that teaches about the realm of the spirit, that there really are angels and demons and there's a God, there really is an invisible world that impacts our visible world. And you can't take one without the other. They're all a part of the same book, the same teaching coming from the same God. The realm of the spirit. In fact, as we dig into this, this is such a big conversation. And again, it impacts us in just so many different ways. The idea of believing in a spiritual realm is central to having a biblical worldview. Let's talk about what a worldview is. Your worldview, everybody has one. Whether you've identified yours or you understand yours, a worldview is the way you perceive the world you look at. A worldview is the lens you look at life that helps you understand and interpret what you're seeing. Now, all of us have different layers of worldviews, like you might have a capitalistic lens or worldview. You might have a lens of socialism or even a lens of communism. You might have a lens of black lives matter or all lives matter or blue lives matter. You might have a lens of critical race theory. Like all of us have these lenses that we're looking at life trying to understand what am I seeing? How does it make sense? But at the end of the day, at the apex of the conversation of a worldview is that really it comes down to two primary worldviews. Are you ready? There's only really two. Ultimate reality is either immaterial or material. Your worldview, how you look at life, how you interpret what you see is either spiritual, spiritualism, or naturalism. Now, you might be here and you might want to push back against both of them because when you hear the term spiritualism, you know, you might think like a third world country, some shaman out in the wilderness, like praying to a tree. Like that's a level of spiritualism. 
But let me just help you understand if you're here or you're watching in Lawrenceburg or you're online and you're like, you know, hey, so, so spiritualism or, or naturalism, materialism or immaterialism, here's the difference. Here's how you navigate them. Here's how you view what you're looking at in life. Either, either the universe was a cosmic accident or it was divine creation. Either humanity was a biological accident or divine creation. Either the human mind is an expression of the brain or it's an expression of the soul. Either when you die, you cease to exist, that's it, you're taking a dirt nap forever, or you continue to live forever somewhere. See, both of those, if this is just the materialistic world, which many scientists, if you can't, if you can't put it in a Petri dish, if you, can't, if you can't see it under a microscope, if you can't measure it with the natural laws of the universe, many scientists have resigned themselves. They went from spiritualism to relativism to naturalism. They believe all there is is what you can see. That's why in a lot of the academic research on this conversation, which I'm sure you're reading, in the conversation, you'll see that many scientists have gotten away from using the term soul because to imply you have a soul is to imply that there is something immaterial about you, and they don't believe that. They believe the essence of humanity is that we're just chemicals and we're just neurons firing in the brain. That's what makes up your mind. However, the spiritual side, what, the, what God's Word teaches is that, that the universe and humanity is not an accident. We were put here by our Creator. He put us here. In the beginning, God said, and we showed up. Come on, somebody. That the human mind is the expression of a human soul, and when you die, you continue to live forever because what you see isn't all there is. Is we are a spirit and a soul living on the inside of a body. Come on, somebody. So you have to choose what is your lens. How do you see the world you're looking at? Because how you see it determines how you see then everything, how you navigate it, how you work with it. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, you see this idea that the spiritual realm, everybody say that word, spiritual realm. Just get used to saying it, spiritual realm. Say it again, spiritual realm. Come on, Lawrenceburg, one more time. Some of you just can't get over it. That the spiritual realm is, is, is more real and more relevant than the natural realm. Well, why? The natural realm feels so real. It's what we exist in and operate in and navigate in. But the spiritual realm is more real and more relevant because the spiritual realm was here before the natural realm. God existed outside of time, outside of space. It was God who said on the outside in eternity, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God existed in the spiritual realm and spoke this natural realm into existence. And long after this natural realm is gone, the realm of the spirit will continue to exist forever. So this conversation's big. Listen to what God's word has to say about this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, by faith. By what? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are were not made of things which are, which means that this world was not a cosmic accident that came with just the, just the big bang and the natural explosion of the laws of the universe that made it all spin into existence. That ultimately, uh, some people, it's, it's this in Latin, ex nihilo, which is out of nothing. We believe, Christians believe, those with a biblical worldview world believe because God's word teaches that this universe, this creation came literally out of nothing. Now, when we say out of nothing, it means there was not already something materialistic here to make it possible. We believe, again, that the natural realm came out, came out of the spiritual realm. That in the spiritual realm, God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
in the beginning, God created everything. Come on, is anybody with me? So there is, there's two lenses. And so as we navigate this series and we start to unpack this, you have to really decide. Are you a naturalist or are you a spiritualist? Do you believe the natural world is all there is or do you believe there's more and there's a spiritual world? Now, I would say probably on a Sunday morning, sitting in church, watching online, probably most of you would say, yeah, I, I probably would lean towards. Well, you can't lean towards. It's, it's either or. It's not and or. You can't, you can't be with both. You have to decide as we navigate this. And my desire is, as I teach this, that if you're a naturalist, you'll start leaning into the conversation to understand, again, there is an invisible world that impacts and influences our natural world. Now, what's crazy is this verse I just read in Hebrews chapter 11, it's not like I just went in and cherry-picked a verse out, just one verse that would seem to imply this spiritual realm. In fact, if you read the Bible, what you find is from beginning to begin, uh, end, uh, cover to cover, this conversation is all the way through. In fact, the Bible was written by people, for people, and to people who have a biblical worldview that there's a spiritual realm. If you don't believe in the realm of the spirit, the Bible will make no sense to you. Every character you talk about has this conversation or has this worldview. The nation of Israel understood they weren't talented and good warriors. They understood God fought, fought, fought for them, and that's how they got the promised land is God blessed them with it. Samson understood he didn't have a gym membership. He understood this, his strength came by the Spirit of the Lord. Everywhere you see in the Old Testament, prophets didn't prophesy because they had something good to say. They prophesied because the Spirit of the Lord came on them and revealed things that their natural mind didn't have an understanding of. All the way through the Bible, there is a spiritual realm, and God's impact and influence is all over the Word. And there's no better place to look and understand it than the life of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, he is the central figure after all. Did you know, right, as you look at his, his, his birth, his life, and his death, you have to come to a conclusion either it's natural or it's supernatural. Either the life of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, either you can explain it all through materialism or you can only explain it through spiritualism. Either his, his life was just, uh, just a manifestation of what's happening in this world, or his life was a manifestation of what was happening outside this world in the realm of the spirit. What I want you to see is Jesus very much believed and very much taught that his life was, a, was an influence of the realm of the spirit. Think about his birth for a second, the birth of Jesus, our savior. Either you believe Either you believe it was a miraculous birth or you believe that Joseph was naive. Either you believe what God's word teaches that Mary really was a virgin and, uh, and the Holy Spirit moved on her womb and Mary got impregnated or you believe she played the God card on Joseph. Right? God did it. Or, right, I mean, it's one, either it was a natural birth or was a spiritual birth? The death of Jesus and the resurrection. Either you believe the resurrection was miraculous, that Jesus was 100% dead in the tomb and three days later he walked out alive. Either it was a miraculous resurrection or the disciples were mistaken or the body was misplaced. Because there's a lot of naturalists that say, hey man, there, people, don't, people don't get up out of the grave when you're dead, you're dead. And so the disciples, they were mistaken. The body, the, like the body, they went to the wrong tomb. They, it should have been two doors down. They would have found the body of Jesus. 
But the Bible tells us that when Jesus came back, he showed himself alive to many witnesses for 40 days. Did you know that? For 40 days, he walked around and said, touch me, feel me. Let's grab lunch. Let's go to Starbucks and get a, go get a, ch a chai tea latte. In fact, one group to 500 people. And so either you believe the birth was natural or it was miraculous. Either you believe the resurrection was he's still dead somewhere or you believe he got up out of the grave on the third day. What is your lens of how you see life? Let's talk about his life. Think about all the things that Jesus did. Think about what he taught, how he responded, how he acted, how he participated in the lives of those around him. Here's how Jesus described and understood his life. Watch this. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, everybody, we're going to read this together because it's powerful. Lawrenceburg, Florence, everybody online, let's just read this first part of this sentence with me. Come on, everybody. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say it one more time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know what Jesus is getting ready to say? Hey, I'm about to describe my life, and you need to know about my life. It's because there's an invisible world that's impacting my visible world. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, if you're a naturalist, you'll think I'm just a great orator that I went and I took several classes on public speaking and I'm just really good at what I do. What Jesus said is, no, it's more than that. The reason I'm such a powerful preacher, the reason what people say about me is they've never heard someone with such authority teach isn't because I'm a good communicator. It's because the spirit of the Lord's upon me. What Jesus was saying, when I walk around and I see hurting people, Jesus said I can heal them, not because I went to medical school and I got some eye salve in my pocket. The reason I can heal them is the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The reason I can show up and find people who are broken and bound up and I can see them set free isn't because I got a physical key it's because I got a spiritual key come on the spirit of the Lord is upon me Jesus understood his ministry was influenced by the realm of the spirit everybody say the spirit of the Lord is upon me so Jesus you say well that's Jesus did you know Jesus not only understood his life in the context of the realm of the spirit as he walked and did life he understood everybody else he talked to was also influenced by the realm of the spirit. Let me give you a couple examples. There's a woman he comes to who is, who is literally bent over. She's, there's nothing she can do to stand up straight. She's been sick, and he doesn't send her to a chiropractor. The Bible says he rebukes out of her a spirit of infirmity. He recognizes that her malady, her sickness, is not physiologically induced. It's spiritually induced. And the way she gets whole or healed is he rebukes the negative spiritual influence in her life. There's another conversation that's shown in the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus goes and he has this interaction with this guy who's known as the demoniac by the tombs. This dude was just, if you, if you didn't know him, his story was this guy maybe would look like, and people still today, comment, social commentators today would say this guy just, you know, he had, some, he had some psychological issues. He had some really heavy ADHD issues. He had, he had some bipolar issues. And Jesus gets to him, and he doesn't, give him, he, doesn't give him, uh, he doesn't give him some psychological medication. He doesn't give him psychological counseling. Jesus casts a demon out of him. In fact, not one demon, but an entire legion of demons. And the Bible says after Jesus' interaction with him, not in the natural realm, but the spiritual realm, the Bible says his community finds him later because he used to walk around naked. Now he is dressed sitting there in his right mind. Come on, somebody. Jesus understood this guy was under a spiritual influence. The religious teachers that Jesus interacted with, some of the most harsh conversations he had was with them. 
Because in spite of all the miracles, in spite of all the teachings, they just refuse to accept him as the Messiah. And so Jesus has this conversation with them in John chapter 8 in helping them to understand why they don't understand, helping them to see what is so plainly obvious and they refuse to see. He says basically this. He says, you know why you don't see me for who I am? It's because you're of your father, the devil. What he was saying was you're under the realm of the spirit in a negative way. This spiritual realm is impacting you so much so that you can't see even who I am and I'm standing right in front of you. It gets worse. There's a time where one of the key apostles, Jesus, has what he thinks is a better plan for Jesus. Anybody here ever think you got a better plan like God should do something else? Don't raise your hand because it'll get bad right here. Peter thinks he's got a better idea of what he thinks Jesus should do. You know what Jesus says to him? What? Get behind me, Satan. You know what he says is what you think is a good idea is demonically inspired. We live in a world that's impacted and influenced by an invisible world. Everybody say the spiritual realm. There is a real spiritual realm, and it's impacting this realm. Now, here's the thing you're saying, okay, that's the Bible, so Jesus saw his life that way, and Right, we, and he saw other lives around him. Like, this is not fairy tale 2,000 years ago, just the Bible stuff. This is life stuff. We, be, we believe the Bible is our, is our framework. It is our worldview. It is our, our lens for how we live and do life, which means there is still a spiritual realm that's still impacting and influencing lives today. And the challenge is, if you don't live with an awareness, you will miss it. Now, here's the challenge is, it is a balance. Sometimes what we're going through in life Sometimes it really is just some psychological issues. Sometimes it is just some sociological factors. Sometimes what you're going through is, is just, it's an influence of poverty or it's an influence of your upbringing. Sometimes it's just, just what we go through in life. Sometimes it's just this world is a mess and we live in it and we're impacted by just this world. But sometimes what you're going through has nothing to do with how you were raised, how much money you have in your bank account, how many degrees you have, the color of your skin, where you were raised. What it has to do with is the realm of the spirit, the invisible world impacting this visible world. The tension that exists in the church today and where I hope to navigate us through is this idea that as you go through things, as you face situations, never make the mistake of saying it's not spiritual at all. And equally, don't make the mistake of saying it's, it's all spiritual. See, a lot of times we look at stuff and we want to blame the devil for everything. And sometimes we want to look at it and say, like, that, that thing doesn't exist. Sometimes you're having a bad marriage because you got a bad attitude. Not you, first service people. <laughs> and sometimes you have a bad marriage because it started with a bad attitude and the devil got in on it. Now he's leveraging the tension that exists in your marriage to destroy what God calls to be one. Are you all hearing me? Sometimes the reason you're having money problems, like your, your finances are not under spiritual attack. You just have bad money management skills. You spend more than you have. You charge things that you shouldn't charge. But sometimes when you get yourself in a cyclical cycle of, of debt and spending, the enemy will leverage that, tempt you to continue to spend what you don't have, and you will stay in a lifestyle of debt. So sometimes it's natural. It's always somehow spiritual. The enemy is always trying to look and work. But sometimes we go through life, and come on, we hit a blessing. We start living our life, and, God, and we start seeing God show up, but we don't see it as God. We think we're smart. We think we're educated. We think our, our name opened the door. Sometimes those are the times you have to have an awareness. Not only is the devil fighting you, but God's blessing you. You are where you are. You're blessed the way you're blessed. You have what you have, not because you're smart or good-looking, because you serve a God who's good and who blesses his kids, the realm of the Spirit. 
So it's the realm of the spirit. And so this challenge is it's real and it exists. If you're taking notes, the spiritual realm is not only real, but it has ramifications on our daily lives. So your kids, raising your kids, I know, I know right? Come on, some of you, your kids, it's not, it's not spiritual. Your kids are just like, you, you don't know how to discipline your kids, right? Your kids are smarter than you and they're working dad against mom. They, they're working the system and y'all haven't figured it out. Some of them, your kids are possessed by the devil. I've seen them. <laughs> Week three, we're going to teach you how to cast devils out of kids. <laughs> I didn't give a last name, but I have a couple in mind. <laughs> when, I was, uh, when I was coming up, my parents, and, and God bless them, they did the best they could, but Probably out of all the things, my dad gave me lots of advice growing up. My parents tried to shape us right, tried to teach us how to, you know, be a hard worker. You know, we, we learned a, a really good work ethic in the home we grew up in. We learned a really good value of family, that family was important. Uh, probably the best thing my dad ever taught me was, you can outrun a cop, but you can't outrun his radio. It's important. It's <laughs> <That's> important. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the lesson probably I learned the least that my parents taught the most was the influence of friends. My parents always had a much higher awareness of the quality of character of people I hung around than I did. And that's just the wisdom of parents. And so they would always say, hey, be careful who you run with. Be careful who you run with. Be careful who you run with. And if I was hanging out with people that I probably shouldn't be hanging around with, like they would either tell me I shouldn't or tell me I couldn't. The challenge is I always did it. And here's why, because there's something that is this called the principle of influence. That your life is influenced by the environment you operate in, the neighborhood you grew up with, the friends you surrounded yourself with. Like the principle of influence defines who you are and how you behave. Now, so my parents understood it. So they said, hey, you got to be careful not hanging out with those people because they will influence you. Now, don't mistake influence for responsibility because while they may have influenced my decisions, they were still my decisions and I was responsible for them, which means there is another influence you have to be aware of. There is a spiritual influence that you have to be aware of. Now, if the devil influences you, i.e. temptation, we're going to get into next week. The devil can't make you do anything. It's still your decision and you're responsible for it. But you have to be aware, this awareness, that there's really a, a temptation. There's a spiritual influence trying to pull you in a negative direction. And there's also a godly influence of the Holy Spirit that's trying to convict us and move us and inspire us and grow us and empower us. That people like Peter, that in one day he's getting rebuked by Jesus for being influenced by the enemy not long after that, stands up in front of the crowds of thousands and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and we see thousands added to the church. Why? Because there's a real spiritual influence and it wasn't just real in the Old Testament and it wasn't just real in the life of Jesus. It is just as real today that what we're seeing in our culture and what we're seeing in our community and what we're seeing in our politics and what you're seeing in your home, what you're seeing in your marriage, what you're seeing in your kids, some of it is just natural. But you better be aware and you better pay attention that a lot of what you're experiencing and a lot of the pressure you're under and a lot of the pull you feel and a lot of the decisions you're tempted to make is this invisible world that's impacting the visible world that we live in. I want us to look at just one section of scripture as we wrap today up. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
Let me set this up. So the Apostle Paul in this section of scripture we're going to talk about for just a few more minutes. Basically, he's talking about the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel is the good news that's preached, that changes lives forever, that consists of that we're all sinners. God sent his son to be our savior, to carry our shame and our guilt so we could find forgiveness and be reconnected to our father. Anybody know that's good news? Anybody thankful for that good news? Come on, Lawrenceburg. Come on, Florence, if you're thankful for God who came to rescue. Come on, let's give him some praise for just a minute. What separates Christianity from every other major world religion? Every other major world religion tells you to go figure out your own salvation and work for something you can never attain. Christianity says that what what you could never attain on your own, God came and delivered to us. Jesus was the only one who showed up to rescue us. He's the only one who came. So the conversation is, as Paul is talking about the gospel, he recognizes, watch this, he recognizes there was a time people looked at it and didn't get it. Like they heard it, they saw it, and it just didn't add up. But he's talking about this moment that the, that the switch flipped. The moment all of a sudden it made sense. The moment all of a sudden, like, I get it. And what's crazy is as we read this, I can relate to this. Not growing up in church, going to church and hearing hymns for the first time. I love the, I love the style of the songs we do now, but sometimes I miss the words of the hymns. Like, like singing a song with Old Rugged Cross, when I first sang it, it was weird. I wore, I wore a crucifix, not because I love Jesus, because it looked good. Come on, just, hey, girls, if you see a guy who wears a cross, he doesn't mean he loves Jesus. It means he loves chains. That's all that means. That's all that means. But I remember sitting in church and kind of singing songs and hearing hymns and hearing this guy stand up there and preach, and it didn't really make any sense. But all of a sudden, I remember the day it clicked. All of a sudden, talking about this guy, Jesus, that I guess kind of died on a cross, that all of a sudden it made sense that Jesus is the Son of God. I am a sinner, and he showed up to rescue me, and it's only through him that I find forgiveness and a new beginning. All of a sudden, the light clicked on. Does anybody here remember the moment that that little light clicked on for you? So watch. Here's the conversation. Why was there a time you couldn't see it? And why is all of a sudden there a moment you could see it? It's because you got smarter because you sat in enough church, the Apostle Paul leans us into this conversation. He says, the reason you get it now is because of the realm of the Spirit. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 7. He says, no, the wisdom we speak of, the gospel, this message of who Jesus is and what he's done, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. There's a time people didn't get it. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. (laughs) But the rulers of this world had not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Anybody here love a good movie? That it's a good movie, but you don't understand how good it is to like the last two minutes and like it all comes together like, like you thought it was this person was doing all the killing and it was them. Not that you watch killing movies because you love Jesus, but I heard about them. <laughs> or you get to the end of the movie, like I've talked about this, like I see dead people. You're like, what? <laughs> like all of a sudden, like it makes the whole movie make sense. The Apostle Paul, listen, he's saying it was always God's plan from the foundation of the world. It was always God's plan and God's purpose to send his son to be the savior of the world. People didn't see it. Even though the Old Testament prophets prophesied about it, 
They didn't see it. Even when the Savior showed up, when God wrapped himself in humanity and stood in front of the religious of the day, they couldn't see it. So much so they couldn't see it. The, Paul says the rulers of this world, he's talking about this spiritual influence that inspired a mob to kill the son. They would have never participated in their own demise because Jesus' death on the cross disarmed spiritual forces. We'll talk about that. Saying they couldn't see it. At one point, everybody watching Jesus die was just another Jewish insurrectionist being crucified by the Roman Empire. That's just one more cross. This is, if you don't know Roman history, Rome crucified thousands of people. That's just someone else being crucified who probably deserved it. The very same scene to people who could see didn't see a Jewish insurrectionist being killed by the Roman Empire. People saw the Son of God willingly laying down his life for the sin of all humanity. The same scene, what you saw depended on your spiritual lens. Your worldview shapes what you see and defines how you live. Listen to what he says here. Verse 10, he says, but to us, so how, how do we figure it out? How do we see it? Right here, come on, every voice, read this verse with me. But it was to us that God revealed these things. How? Not by how smart you are, not by how long you've been in church. What made the light click for you to see, it wasn't a man dying in a Roman empire. It was the Savior of the world, the Son of God, laying down his life on the cross. What made the gospel make sense, it was spiritual news. What made it make spiritual sense was the realm of the Spirit. What you couldn't see influenced, come on, what you, what you couldn't see what influenced this world. The invisible impacted this visible world. He says this, I don't know if you caught this in the last verse I read, and you hear preachers talk about this, especially at funerals. Like they talk about that verse, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the minds of God, nor entered into the minds of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And we think one day that's heaven. Oh, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for those who love him. And we're like, one day when I get to heaven, I'll see it. No, Paul's saying you can, you can see who God is and what God has done right now. How? It's been revealed to us by his spirit. This next verse, verse, verse 12, he says, And we've received God's spirit, not this world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. But people who aren't spiritual, people who are naturalists, people who refuse to see that side, people who are not spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Being unaware of the presence of the spiritual makes you uninformed about the power of the spiritual. If you don't put on the biblical lens of a spiritual worldview, you'll be uninformed. Uninformed about what? Uninformed that some of the struggles you have are spiritual. And if some of the struggles you have are spiritual, the only way to win those struggles are to fight them in the Spirit. And some of the resources you have available to fight those fights are in the spirit. And some of the victories you have are in the spirit. 
which means if you only live with a natural lens, you'll never fight the battles that really matter. You'll definitely never win them, and you'll never really celebrate who's behind some of the victories you have. But when you see in the realm of the spirit, when you understand there is stuff operating outside of what I can see or my natural mind can understand, but God's revealed them to us in his word and by his spirit that there is a real God. The Holy Spirit is 100% real. There really are demons and angels, and that might freak you out, but they're there just like grandma and grandpa. They are there operating in the background of your life. And mother-in-laws. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law, but I drop that one about once a month just because she watches. <laughs> and they're influencing your life. And if you don't understand the influence, you'll be a victim to it. And you'll never leverage it in the right way. So there is an invisible world that impacts and influences this visible world. So I want to pray. And my hope is today that just I maybe piqued your interest maybe drawing you into this conversation, if you're in Lawrenceburg or Florence or watching online, that you want to come back and really hear what God's word has to say. Because there are fights you need to fight and victories you can have and things you need to celebrate that only make sense when you understand the spiritual realm. So Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, again, it's, it's not something that can really even be taught. Lord, it's something that makes sense because the Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit reveals it to us. And so, Lord, I pray over the next several weeks, Holy Spirit, will you come all over Faith Church at both our campuses, at every person watching online, every person who hears this message, God, will you open our eyes that, God, what's happening at work, what's happening in our culture, what's happening in our marriage, what's happening in our home, what's happening in our hearts, that, God, some of that, some of our struggle really is spiritual. God, will you help us to see there really is a spiritual enemy that's tempting us and influencing us? But we have the Holy Spirit who's helping us, who's empowering us. God, help us to see what maybe we've refused to see. Help us to lean into this conversation in a way that we can leverage these principles to walk a life of victory that you have for us. Lord, I pray every eye will see, and I pray every ear will hear, and I pray we'll enter into your minds the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Listen, before we go, talking about the light flicking on the moment you couldn't see it and the moment you can Paul also says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 give me two more minutes everybody here everybody online the apostle Paul says the reason some people aren't saved the reason some people have not put their hope in Jesus is because they just can't see it why he says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 he says he says the God of this world not the God of everything talking about the enemy the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever the same way God wants you to see, the enemy's trying to keep you from saying that you're a sinner, that Jesus is your Savior, and your only hope of reconnecting with him is not how good you are, but how good he is. And so if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to peel back the blinders and let you know you might be a good person, but you're still lost. Your family might love you, and God loves you, but you're still lost because there's nothing we can do to reconnect with our Creator except through what Jesus has already done for us on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says if you'll confess out of your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll really believe that God raised him from the dead, that's where salvation comes from. That's where we're born again and given a brand new start. And if you're here and you're sitting in church, maybe you've been in church your whole life, you've heard everything I've said before, but you've never given your life to Christ. That's the only thing that matters. So I want to pray a really simple prayer. And if you're here online in Lawrenceburg and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to be a child of God, You can pray the prayer I'm going to pray or just call out to him on your own. He'll answer you. Say this. Say, Jesus, 
I believe that you died on the cross in my place to carry my sin, to carry my shame and my guilt so I could be forgiven, so I could have a brand new beginning, so I could be a child of God. Come into my life and save me and help me follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody who agrees said amen.